Welcome to the Band of Brothers podcast. Our current series is entitled A Man's Guide to Spiritual Disciplines. We are being led by Milton Redeker, our men's ministry coordinator, Renee Rivera, and Eric Reed, the minister to married young adults and men at Houston's First Baptist Church. To find out more about our men's ministry, please visit us on the web at houstonsfirst.org. We hope that this podcast is a blessing to you, and we'll see you soon. You may be Thank you for those who've come and gone, and for whatever reason they're not here tonight, for Eric, because he's in a teacher's meeting, and Renee is uh, being loyal to his uh, business. And Lord, I just pray that tonight's class would fill the need in each of our lives as we talk about service, our service to the unsaved, our service to this church, our service to one another. And Lord, we'll give you the honor and the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, <laughs> so Brad showed up too. Brad, this is Mike York in front of you. Yeah, we're talking about service tonight, and you've already got a link up here. But uh, if you were defining service, what would you say service is beyond what's up here on the board? We're talking about Christian service, or it could be military service. What is service? Help. What? Help. Help? Okay. Meeting others' needs. What Pat Morley said about service. He highlights Solomon's life. We all know who Solomon was, what he became. Solomon was the chief executive officer of the world's largest conglomerate, the president of his country, the commander-in-chief, number one on the Forbes list of billionaires, the greatest patron of the arts, the poet laureate of his nation, a Nobel Prize-winning scientist, a developer whose buildings would have trumped Trump, and the owner of a fleet of merchant ships. He was teacher of the year and more famous than Lance Armstrong and the Miracle Idol combined. Here's how he summarized his life. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my work, and this was the reward for all my labor. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, Everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. That's found in Ecclesiastes 2, 10 and 11. And then Solomon added, so I hated my life. You think he was a servant? Very selfish man, very selfish man. So service is being selfless. Service, as we've put up here, is almost always sacrificial. Although we often feel that we gain more than we give. We mentioned, somebody mentioned uh, meeting needs. If you don't know there is a need, you can't meet that need, so you, that is, there's no service involved there. So when we know there is a need, we can be of service. And so we've also said it involves submission to God's agenda. Well, what's God's agenda? Meeting the needs of others. 
wherever Jesus, we find wherever Jesus would go, whatever he would do, and that's what a servant is. We also mentioned it means focusing on someone other than myself. Solomon certainly focused on himself, didn't he? And we have more than 50 mission trips by thousands of members that go all over the world serving Jesus and doing all of these things. Let's go to the next slide, John. Developing a mindset of a servant. Let's look at these for a minute. Number one, service feels out of a maturing relationship with Jesus Christ. The real key word there is a maturing relationship. Every one of you in here want to be more mature tomorrow, the next day, the next year than you are right now. So it's an ongoing maturing relationship with Jesus Christ. Not with yourself, not with your Sunday school teacher, not with your pastor, not with your music minister, but with Jesus Christ. Number two, developing a mindset of a servant is a feeling that one can no longer be happy unless he does something to serve. Right? Are you happiest when you're serving? Yeah. Well, where are you serving? You could be just serving at home. Your children, your spouse. You could be serving at work by being a good example at work. You could be serving in your church. Number three, if you cannot serve out of overflowing gratitude, don't. If it becomes burdensome to you, stop. And I like the word overflowing. How do you, how do you serve out of overflowing? It's something that you already are, and it's not something you've become. You serve out of an overflowing gratitude. Mm-hmm. Number four, when the time is right, Christ will sort you, Fill you, make you, shape you, and you will know what to do. That's sort of like that little old course. Use me, fill me, make me, mold me. And so that is a developing a Christ that's right, that's all right. Developing a Christ like attitude. I want us to look at some scriptures before we move on. No, that you're fine. John, you take the first one. Blake, you take the second one. Gary, take the third one. Mike, you take number four. Brad, number five. And Dustin, number six. And let's look at these. There's my button on the laptop. Oh, okay. I'll do number one. The first one is Philippians 2, verses 5 and 9. Philippians 2, 5 through 9 says this. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That is the name of Jesus every knee should bow. He humbled himself. To be a servant, we need to humble ourselves. Even we've seen the picture of Jesus washing the feet of the disciples. 
He humbled himself. Have you ever had your feet washed for somebody else? You ever had that? Never done that? Not since I was a kid. <laughs> oh, we ought to do that. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. But it is a humbling experience. Okay, number two. Blake. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came to Jesus with her sons, bowing down and making a request of them. And he said to her, What do you wish? She said to him, Command that your kingdom command that in your kingdom these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right and one on your left. But Jesus answered, You do not know what you are asking. You are able to drink the are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink? They said to him, We are able. He said to them, My cup you shall drink, but to sit on my right and on my left, this is not mine to give, but it is for those whom it has been prepared by my father. After hearing this, the ten became indignant with the two brothers. <laughs> but Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. It is not this way among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. And then neat, that's found in Matthew 20, verses 20 through 28. Now John 13, 1 through 17. Mike, do you have that? Gary? Okay. Service not greater than his master. He did it. He demonstrated it for him, didn't he? he himself. Yeah. All right, Brad. Tell us what you've got and read it. First Corinthians 12, 4, 11. 
there are different kinds of gifts, the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by means of the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by that, that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, to still another the, the, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he gives them each one just as he determines. Every one of us has different gifts, don't we? But it takes all of that to form the body of Christ. Some of you in here have a gift of teaching. Some of you have a gift of, of being a, a humble servant and just being faithful. I like to use the, the word F-A-T. You know what that stands for? I always like to ask people, are you a fat person? <laughs> but you know what that really stands for? Anybody want to guess what F-A-T stands for? One, I know one, factory acceptance Oh, <laughs> Patrick said, that's a good one, Gary. Is the S stand for faith? Uh-uh. Faith now. Yeah, I was guessing faith. How about this? See if you can guess the rest of it. Faithful at. <laughs> can you read that? Faithful Available? You want to guess what the T is? Available. What? Teachable. I hope you'll write that down and never forget it. Somebody asks you if you're fat, you say, I sure am. Faithful, available, and teachable. <laughs> a lot of people faithful. We got some folks tonight that aren't available. They're <laughs> elsewhere. But this is the, the last one, the T. <laughs> you can't be fat unless you're teachable. That's the foundation. Are you teachable? Sure you are. You wouldn't be here. You're teachable. Well, look down at the, your sheet there. More scriptures about service. Let's see. Dustin, let's get you to read your... Oh, that's all right. Okay, let's go to the more scriptures about service. Number one, Joshua 24, 15 says, Choose you this day whom you will serve. That's not talking about any day. That's talking about today. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Then Matthew 25, 35, 45 talks about inasmuch as you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. He's talking about children. He's talking about unsaved people. He's talking about people in need. He's talking about the poor, the lonely, the down and the out. And when you've done it unto them, you've helped them, you've done it unto him. Number three, present your bodies a living sacrifice, which is your what? Reasonable service. I don't know if any of you have ever presented your body for a living sacrifice. I never have. Literally. But he's talking about in your mind and in your heart. Romans 12.1 Then, by love, serve one another, which is found in Galatians 5.13. By love, serve one another. Can you serve any other way except by love? No. We only serve when we love. We serve those whom we love. And then finally, those who possess the land of promise must serve God or be swept off, which is mentioned in Esther 2, 8 through 12.
Let me give you a website that you're going to want to go to. <coughs> Copy this down. It's www.youryouryouniqueunique.design. All of that's together, youryouniquedesign.com. Some of you are in another class with me, and you already know what that is. www.youryouniquedesign, and here's what it produces. I've already done this. It's an assessment, and it's by it's the way that they choose astronauts right here in our hometown. They already have one. They really don't. Okay. <laughs> this is my particular one that I did, but I want to refer to some things on it that will help you. It does cost you something to take it. Yeah. But I want you to turn the page and let's look at something. What it involves. Talking about servanthood. Right in the middle of the page, under introduction. What page number? The first page. Oh, first. It's really page two. The servant there in the middle of the page it says service by design, your unique design edition is a profile report that contains 10 key features. After you take this, you'll know what your personality structure is, your personality strengths, viewpoints on life, what motivates you, how you deal with subject matter, your abilities, the setting of your total personality, relationships and how you deal with relationships, life tips for connecting to others, and potential pitfalls. And all of that will come out when you take this. And if you'll turn to page five, that is my personality structure. Some of you who know me know that uh, I am very persistent. Apparently so. <laughs> 100%. Commit myself to, if I tell you I'm going to do something, I'll be there, I'll do it. Persistent. I'm a harmonizer, achiever, energizer, catalyzer, but very much, very little dreamer. And it tells you in this situation how those are played out in your life. Turn the page. Page six. It tells you you're developing strengths, your viewpoint, your beliefs. The next page over talks about the blind spots in your life, motivators, what motivates you. And then on page nine, it tells you what your design at work is. Do you see what mine is? Anything dealing with people, 70% occupies my time and my mind through the day, 70%. I'll let you read through that. That is yours to keep. But I want to give you something else. Don't compare this to mine. <laughs> yeah. See what the difference is there. I have developed 142 questions that will help you, if you will answer them, will help you know what kind of a service you are. And some of them sound kind of crazy. 
Let's look at some of them. Look at number 18. When did you become a Christian? How did your life change? Talks about your family life. Talks about your values. It even gets pretty humorous. humorous. Turn to page number 28. What mischievous prank did you pull on someone? How did it affect you? You'll learn that the people you've admired through your childhood, whether they were servants or not. Come in, Frank. Number 44. Here you go, Frank. Recording this, now you know. Everyone knows I'm late. Everyone knows you're, everyone knows you're here. <laughs> we got a good class tonight, finally. Y'all are going to get in on the best part of it. Some of these will not apply to you. Did all of you in here have brothers? Nearly every one of you? Well, number 50 may apply to you, but some of these I redesigned for myself. And whenever I finished these 142 questions, I had a 34-page summary of my life. And in that summary, it told me what I already knew about myself. It confirms some things, but it also brings out the people in your life that have meant a lot to you, that were servants. It will also tell you something about your family that perhaps you didn't know. All these questions are designed much like this uh, servant piece I gave you earlier, but this is a, something that you will, it's called living and leaving a legacy. Your children, everybody in here married? Married, 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 Dustin, not Gary, married. Frank, yeah. Lot John's not. Frank's not. Used to be. Gonna be. Yeah. The reason I call this living and leaving a legacy is when you finish these 142 questions, you will have a stamp on your life and on your family's life that will be there forever. I have, uh, I, I think I'll bring it next week, the notebook that I have made for every one of my children and grandchildren. It has pictures in there. It has everything I've done about <coughs> my life. Is a legacy that I will leave with them so that they will know my servant's heart. And you can too. Yours won't be anything like mine. But if you'll answer, take time to just sit down with a scratch pad and just start writing and answering those questions and then come back and put the question in and your answer underneath it. I came out with 34 pages. Well, let's move on. <clears throat> Serving as a discipline could be taking a shift for a coworker, running an errand for someone who gets paid to run errands for you, taking meals to needy families, providing transportation for someone, feeding pets and watering plants for neighbors, Having a servant's heart in the home. Now then, can you add to that? We're talking about serving as a discipline. Can you think of something else other than those answers? 
doing PowerPoints for some people? PowerPoints. <laughs> That's right, John. John does a lot of PowerPoints for us. Thank you, John. Uh -huh. Let me ask you this, when you're doing something for other people, you may be dog tired until you get into the being a servant. Mm -hmm. Doesn't it kind of lift your spirit? And I was thinking before I came in here and I thought, man, I've been up here all day. I've been studying for a class tonight and a class tomorrow and one on Saturday and one on Sunday. I'm tired. But when I get in here doing what God's called me to do, giving your child a bath it rejuvenates you because you're doing something for somebody else we're coming into the Christmas season the Thanksgiving season think about something that you can do that you don't normally do that you can be a servant in your home at church at work something that you don't normally do but it, if you think about it it's something you could show that in your heart, maybe nobody else, that would show you you being a servant Thanksgiving and Christmas. We have special projects here in the church that help you do that. One is the, called the Christmas Store. And you'll be hearing a lot about that from the pulpit in all our communications. Well, what is the Christmas Store? That's where we give gifts. We turn the gifts in here and they're taken over to our mission and people come in there and can shop for nothing for Christmas. But by us and you contributing gifts, bringing gifts for a certain age group that you want to see have Christmas, you're you are being a servant. So think about that. Whenever you have fellowships, whenever you have dinners that the church is going to sponsor, or your class is going to sponsor, you're going to be asked to probably could you bring something? That's still being a servant. Let's move on to the next one, John. <laughs> How about that one? I put that in great big letters. <laughs> Men want to make a difference. Does anybody in here don't want to make a difference? I could have put an ellipsis there. Difference in what? Difference in your country? Difference in your job? Difference in your home? Difference in your church? I dare say, and I would like to see someday, that every one of you take a place of responsibility here in the church. If it's doing nothing but babysitting the kids while somebody else has a good time here at church. If it means nothing but taking the gifts that come for the Christmas store over to the mission. Some way, somehow, because you've been in this class, you now have a responsibility. You've been told, you've been shown how you can be a servant. And you, more than likely, you've written down and taken some notes that you hadn't thought of before. Hey, I think I can do that. But in great big letters, men want to make a difference. How about Afghanistan? How about Iraq? How about Ford? Hood. The lady that stood and took three bullets 
Was it three or four? She, she took three or four bullets. She she made a difference. She wasn't a man, but boy, she took a man-sized job and took on the guy himself. Men want to make a difference. And that's God's challenge to each other. That's the way we're wired. We want to make a difference. What's misspelled a word here? That's W-A-R-R-I-O-R, and I apologize for that. What's the difference between the warrior versus the cupbearer? Whether God leads you to fight for your country or humbly serve others, one of the greatest proofs that you are a disciple is that you bear much fruit. Well, what does that mean? What does bear much fruit? Anybody want to take a guess what that really means? We talk about it in Scripture all the time. We're supposed to bear much fruit. Be like Christ. What does that mean? Go where he'd go, do what he'd do. Witness to other people. Witness to other people, which our next session next week and our last session is going to be on evangelism. And I've asked Larry Lilly and uh, Lee Shaw, who are directors of our evangelism, to come in here and talk to us about evangelism in our church and in our lives, how we can be more evangelistic. Exactly. Let me read you something out of the, Here's another book I'd recommend, The Life of a God-Made Man. The Life of a God-Made Man by Dan Dorini. D-O-R-I-A-N-I. Listen to what he says about servanthood. To illustrate, suppose three men go running five days each week. Suppose further that we ask each one why he is so dedicated to running. The first answers... I run because my father died of a heart attack at 51, and I want to live long enough to retire and to see my grandchildren grow up. The second replies, I run so I can eat anything I want and still not gain weight. Running also makes me tardy enough to sleep sound at night. The third says, when I run my legs soar over the ground, the wind brushes my face, my heart beats like slow, heavy thunder in my chest, and I feel alive. The first man runs out of fear. He is afraid of what will happen if he stops. The second runs for its benefits. He runs because it enhances the quality of his life. He eats and sleeps better. For the third man, running is its own reward. The first and second men love health and food and sleep. Running is an instrument they use to gain what they desire. Only the third man actually loves running itself. The obedience of many Christians resembles the first two runners. Serving out of a heart of gratitude. There is so much service that is lacking out there because there's no one that says, that will step up and say, I'll do that. I can do that. Have you ever done something you really didn't want to do? Sure you have. But you probably felt better after you did it, if it was something good, not something chaotic. I can remember as a child doing a lot of things that I probably shouldn't have done. Didn't want to do, but I did them anyway. Sort of like the little boy, the teacher put him over in the corner and stood him up because he was misbehaving. 
he turned around after a while and he said, I might be standing up, but I'm still sitting down over there in my chair. <laughs> our attitude, our attitude towards service makes all the difference. Well, let's look at the questions for discussion. Number one, in your own words, explain why the biblical pursuit of service is not an effort to win God's favor by doing good deeds. Think about that for a moment. It's not an effort to win God's favor because he's already loved us. He's already died for us. Yes, Chuck? Because we do it out of joy. So when you do it out of joy, it's not really an effort. And out of thankfulness what we did to us. Exactly. We serve others and we serve God because he is God. He died for us. We love him. He wants to... He died for you. He died for me. So we don't do anything to earn his love. He's already done that. Number two, describe a man whom you know who is highly motivated to serve others. Anybody think of someone who's highly motivated to serve others? I'll give you several examples who are my personal friends. Anybody know Charles Stanley? Chuck Swindoll? Max Lucado, Billy Graham, Billy Graham, still living, right? Yes. What do you think motivates those guys? They write all these books to make millions of dollars. <laughs> they preach every week and teach Bible studies because they want to be known. Their desire is to serve others. And in so doing, encourage men, encourage families to walk with the Lord. And not say, do as I do and do as I say, but do as God says. Serve Him and love others. Let's go to the next one. Number three, in light of what you've learned in this session, look up these verses. So, uh, Blake, look up Ephesians 2.10. Brad, look up John 15.8. Frank, Look up Philippians 2 5. Did you bring your Bible? Good. And uh, Gary, look up James 1 27. And Mike, did I already give you one, Mike? Not yet. Okay. You take James 2 14 through 17. Okay, who has Ephesians 2 10? That's me. Go ahead, Blake. For we are his. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. We are what? His workmanship. Your mother and daddy may have uh, helped create you, but you're made in the image of God. We are his workmanship. Who has the next one? John 15. This is to my Father's glory. Very much fruit. There it is again, isn't it? All right, Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Who has that? Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, 
that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, is glory of God the Father. Every tongue confess? Those Muslims are going to be surprised, aren't they? <laughs> you have any friends going to be surprised? Family members going to be surprised? My wife and I have been, visit, been witnessing to a bunch of folks for 10 years. For the first time, we have 17 of those unsaved people coming to the celebration Christmas music. They're Russian Jews, one of whom is my wife's boss. Every knee shall bow. I'm going to pray that those 17 people are so overwhelmed with the gospel December the 11th and 12th. They'll never be the same. What are we doing the next one? Is it James? Where are we? James 127. James 127. Religion that God accepts is this, caring for orphans or widows who need help and keeping yourself free from the world's evil influence. This is the kind of religion that God accepts as pure and good. Do you know any widows or orphans? Widows or orphans? Say no. Do you know we have a list that's kept here at the church and every deacon is assigned at least one widow? But I don't know any of them that are assigned an orphan. We've got a bunch of children that are orphans. They may not be orphaned by the the standard that they have no mother and father, that their mother and father dead, but they're orphans from the fact that they come to church by themselves. They have nobody to guide them spiritually. They're orphans. And that is our job as Christians. We're to find those people. We're to find those instances where we can serve. And the last one? There actually is a, a literal orphan ministry in the church, too. Yes, exactly. Are we down? All right, are we finished? Okay, Mike. James, James 2, 14 through 17. Mm-hmm. What good is it, my brother, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by actions, is dead. That's pretty strong words, isn't it? Can you ever think of a time in your life when you did something for someone and you did it out of a heart of service or being a servant and nobody else ever knew what took place in that situation? Can you think of, ever think of a situation? You done that? When I was th- reading the stuff for this lesson, something came to my mind that happened a long time ago. I'm just going to tell you what happened. I don't think I've ever told this before. I may have told it in your class. When I was a minister of music and education at First Baptist Church of Chickasha, Oklahoma, you know where Chickasha, Oklahoma is? Yeah. Right up 35 outside south of Oklahoma City. It was snowing one day, really, really cold. Nobody is stirring around. Nobody coming in and out of the church. The staff, we were all kind of huddled up and drinking hot chocolate and talking about the weather and first one thing another. When in walked a guy 
one of those kind of homeless looking guys. And he said, can I talk to somebody? The pastor looked at me and he kind of grinned. He went, you take him. <laughs> I said, sure. Went in my office and the guy sat down and he started talking. He said, I'm hungry. Can you help me? I said, yeah. I don't have a job. Can you help me? I said, I'll try. He crossed his legs, and I could see the bottom of his shoes. There were holes in the bottom of his shoes. And he was soaking, his feet were soaking wet. And I said, what size shoe do you wear? He said, nine and a half. I can't do that, Lord. That's my size. The Lord said, yeah, you do. I took my lizard cowboy boots off my feet, and he put them on and went outside and never saw him again. I went home stocking footed in the snow. Guys, that's service. When you're doing something that nobody else knows, you did it whether it's giving money to the Lottie Moon Christmas <clears throat> offering, whether it's helping an orphan, whether it's helping a widow, whether it's helping your spouse, your child, a friend, there's always somebody out there in need. And what did we say about needs? Meeting needs is being a servant. I want to close tonight's session with something Pat Morley says about service. And to you who came in later, this is what we've been using. If you want to purchase Man's Guide to Spiritual Disciplines, 12 Habits to Strengthen Your Walk with Christ. And Pat Morley talks about developing the mindset of a servant. As with all disciplines, we're not trying to develop a service mentality simply because we want to get God's attention or improve our spiritual scorecard. Instead, service fills out of a maturing relationship with Jesus Christ. Here's how it works. Early in your spiritual journey, you didn't have enough Jesus for yourself, much less any left over to give away to others. You did your good do deeds as duty. However, over time, you began to fill up in your personal relationship with Jesus. You began to plumb the depths of his holiness, mercy, love, and grace. You were awestruck by his power, greatness, and majesty, you were humbled by how you had underestimated the work of Jesus, and you grew. At a point, you realized you finally did have enough Jesus for yourself. You felt filled up in your relationship with him. That spurred you on to a new growth. Another couple of years passed, and one day you realized that you were spilling over with Jesus. Not only did you have enough Jesus for yourself, you had some left over to give away to others as well. In fact, you were so filled to overflowing that you felt as if you would burst unless you could give some of him away. That's how a servant is supposed to feel, as if he can no longer be happy unless he does something to serve. Anything less will, be, will represent a failure. Maybe you are there, maybe not. Service is one of the latter disciplines. If you cannot serve out of overflowing gratitude, then don't. Obviously, if a man never feels compelled to serve, here's the crux of the whole matter. If he never feels compelled to serve, he is either, one, not growing as a disciple, or two, he was never in Christ. Those are strong words.
But I think Jesus said it and put it more succinctly than even Pat Morley or I could. If you love me, what? Serve me. Serve me. And guys, I challenge you tonight, find a way that goes beyond the box, thinking outside the box, goes beyond yourself, goes beyond your family. Find a way that you can serve, whether it's giving money, whether it's going on a mission trip, whether it's giving gifts to the Christmas store. Find a way that you can quietly serve the God and inside your heart. You'll know. You'll know it. You'll feel it. Even as I did that day when I went home in the snow, barefooted. Find a way, Mike. One of the most powerful things I think I'm learning in my life right now is the example of Peter denying Christ three times. And the last time he denied Christ, and Christ said, Basically, then I will meet you where you are. And a lot of us again will look out and say, I can't get there, I can't get there, I can't get there, I can't. But we don't understand Christ comes to where we are and will help us get there. Um, it took me many, many years to figure that out because I looked around and saw all these great men. I can do that. And, and I you know, lived a defeated life because I never understood Christ is going to come to me where I'm at. It's sort of like when, when Peter got out and was walking on the water when he took his eyes off Jesus. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> he sank, didn't he? When we take our eyes off Jesus and we're out there doing all of these deeds because we want somebody to know it, that's taking our eyes off Jesus, putting the spotlight on us. Find a way to do something for others that doesn't draw the spotlight to yourself. And the only way you can do that is quietly serve him and that's what the disciples did for the most part except Peter he was so boastful and of course Judas but the rest of those guys were all common guys quiet unassuming and Jesus said follow me wherever he goes you go whatever he does you do and the way you find that is by staying in the word and one of those disciplines that we discussed a long time ago was the Bible, staying in the Word. Anytime I ever got in trouble in my life, in my marriage, in my ministry, in my vocation, it's when I wasn't staying in the Word. And you will too, <coughs> if you don't stay in the Word. Let's bow forward in prayer. Yes, John. I just want to say a quick thing. Yes. Um, I, let's see, what was I going to say now? <laughs> Basically, um, when I help around here, I enjoy doing it out of the so When you help around here, you yeah. do it quietly, don't you? I do it quietly, yes. I do it quietly. And, and I enjoy doing it. You got it. Yeah. I encourage you to uh, answer those 142 questions. I encourage you to go to the internet, to that <laughs> website. Even if you don't have the money, I think it's $35 to do that. It takes two hours to do it. And you need to find, if you're going to do it, you need to do it undisturbed. Because you do have to think about your answers. I encourage you to do that. Yes, John? Some, some services require commitments, too. Yes. 
Thank you for being here tonight. Oh, what a good class. I'm going to tell Renee and uh, Eric to be gone again. <laughs> Next week will be our final one. It'll be on evangelism. It'll probably be the crowning. It'll be the icing on the cake to the 12 disciplines. And hopefully Larry Lilly, our evangelism director for our church, and Lee Shaw, who is a Rice graduate, who is, he has all kinds of honors, Lee Shaw, uh, summa cum laude from Rice, is also in evangelism in our church. Maybe they can be with us for a few minutes and tell us what's going on in our church in regards to evangelism. Give us a challenge personally, and hopefully we will also do a graduation at the end next week. And if you want to bring a family member or somebody with you to share in that, we'll have it right here after the class next week. We'll have a short class on evangelism, and then we'll just have a sharing time of what this class has meant some things you may have learned that you'd never thought of before. So next week will be a great, great time, and everybody will be back, and we can just have a good time sharing about the Lord and the 12 disciplines in our own life. Again, thank you for being here, and let's pray. God, I thank you for this time with these men. I sense in this room tonight, Lord, of men who want to be available who want to be teachable, who are already faithful, and in their personal lives, Lord, they want to be strong men. And as we've seen tonight up on the board tonight, men want to make a difference. And Lord, may it be so in the lives of these men here because they've been faithful, they've come to learn, they've come to be changed, and they've come to be strong faithful men of God and I thank you for that I thank you for getting to know new men and I thank you for bringing new men into the class tonight and God may we all be faithful available and teachable as we go about our daily lives our work our family and wherever we go people will know that we're different by the life that we live we pray in Jesus name Thank you for joining us on this week's podcast. We would love to have you come in person. We meet Wednesday evenings from 6 to 7.30 at Houston's First Baptist Church. More information is on the web at houstonsfirst.org, houstonsfirst.org. Again, have a blessed day.